Today's gospel reading presents to us with the dramatic story of this encounter between Jesus and evil. And from what we just heard, this evil appears as a man who's possessed by a demon or this unclean spirit. Now, over the centuries, there seems to have been a change in attitudes towards the presence of or belief in these supernatural forces like spirits and demons. But not, not, not that long ago, the prevailing view seemed to be that such beliefs were relics of some pre-modern worldview, that the best way to approach such things when you encounter them in scripture or in the beliefs of religions or other cultures was to demythologize them, to interpret an account of demon possession, for example, as an attempt to make some sense of a mental illness of some kind. There was also this widespread assumption that in time, these beliefs and practices would decline and eventually just disappear as the scientific worldview became more and more prevalent. That hasn't exactly happened, has it? Even though religious affiliation and denominational commitment has declined in most research studies, that same survey also shows this widespread belief in angels, spirits, and other supernatural beings. So whatever disenchantment of the world that was predicted or foretold 50 years ago simply really hasn't occurred. The popularity of movies and TV shows about vampires and zombies and ghosts testify to our continued fascination with this spiritual world. And there's rarely a week that goes by when I don't see some article somewhere in the news that doesn't mention some sort of exorcism or paranormal event somewhere in the world. But still, I suspect that for most of us hearing this today, not all, but most, the story that we hear from the Gospel of Mark is a little troubling, and it opens a perspective on Jesus that is very different than the one that most of us hold dear. The Jesus we love and we follow is a moral example, a teacher and deep, of deep, profound, and ethical wisdom, not usually seen as this exorcist person. But if we try to overlook this aspect of Jesus's ministry in Mark, if we try to ignore the importance of language about the devil and evil spirits and so on in this gospel, then we'll miss one of its central themes, and one that may not only challenge us as we try to follow Jesus, but one that also empowers us to see more clearly and act more boldly in his name. It's important to remember that in Mark, this account that we hear in the synagogue is the very beginning of Jesus's public ministry. We've seen him being baptized. We saw him call the disciples, but his appearance in the synagogue and this casting out of the unclean spirit are really his first public actions. And it matters that Mark tells the story this way. Each of the other Gospels have different events at the beginning of Jesus's public life. Luke, for example, uses a similar setting of the synagogue, but only offers some details about Jesus's preaching on that day. 
So for Mark to begin his story of Jesus' ministry with a confrontation with an unclean or an evil spirit is important. Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of Mark is not just about the words he says and the example that he sets. In Mark, Jesus is actively combating the forces of evil that enslave human beings in the world, and he brings freedom to those who are held captive by them. We see evidence for this cosmic battle already at the very beginning of this gospel. If you remember, immediately after his baptism, Mark writes that Jesus is driven into the desert where he's tempted by the devil, by the personification of evil. We can imagine the drama in the scene before us this morning. Jesus and his disciples show up in the synagogue on the Sabbath and he begins to teach. The response from that gathered crowd was immediate. His teaching was something new. It challenged convention. It challenged tradition. It challenged the views of the religious elite and those official interpreters of the scriptures, the scribes. But hardly had he begun when Jesus himself is challenged. The man with the unclean spirit comes forward and he may not be speaking just for himself or for the spirit within him, but he may be voicing the thoughts of all those who are there. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus responds to him using the same word that he will use later in Mark's gospel to calm the sea. Mark also uses that same word, rebuke, to describe Jesus' response to Peter later on. By casting out the evil spirit, Jesus returns the man to wholeness of body and of mind, but more importantly, he restores him to his community. But at the same time, Jesus' authority, both his words and his deeds of power, bring disruption to that community which he lives and works. The disruption that will end, of course, with his crucifixion. Stories like this one are challenging on a number of levels. They challenge the way we look at the world and at Jesus. They challenge us also to think about our own assumptions about ourselves, God, and about others. We might see ourselves in this story as the man overwhelmed and bound by evil, the man set free by Jesus' saving and transforming word. We may feel ourselves surrounded by forces outside of our control, pressed down by personal concerns and worries about relationships or worries about our families or our futures. We may feel surrounded and pressed down by other matters, fear and anger about events in our nation and the world concern for those whose lives, families, and futures are threatened by illness, violence, or hatred. Or we may look more closely at ourselves and wonder whether instead of the man with the unclean spirit, our place is among the bystanders in this story. Are we those who came to the synagogue on the Sabbath, as we do each week, to hear words of comfort and reassurance? 
to be told that all is right with the world and with ourselves. Wherever we stand, whoever we are, the Jesus portrayed by the Gospel of Mark comes to us to disrupt our lives, to unsettle our expectations, to challenge our assumptions about him, ourselves, our world, and God. Of course, if we're really honest, we're probably a little bit of both. We do come here in need of words of healing and of help. We come to be made whole again, to be restored to ourselves, the ones we love, and to God. But we also must come to be challenged, to hear those words of authority, to see Jesus rebuking evil, casting it out. We need to speak and act with that authority, challenge the power of evil in our lives that binds us all, fill us with fear, and create division. Sometimes the most powerful thing we can do, the greatest witness against those forces of evil, is to walk beside those who are even more fearful or more threatened than ourselves. Sometimes the greatest thing we can do is put our hand in the hand of another and walk with them in witness and strength against the evil that does surround us. For ultimately, we know that love, the true love of Jesus Christ, has already won the battle. Our hope is secure, and God's love will always overcome evil. <laughs>